You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. In this episode, I sit down and chat with Allison Noe. Allison is a health and weight loss coach for women with PCOS and other hormonal imbalances. She has a Bachelor of Science in Sports Medicine and Exercise Science and a Master's of Science in Health Promotion. She personally has struggled with all the things that she helps her clients work through, and she has a deep desire to educate and lead women to optimal health, weight loss, and fertility options naturally. You're gonna enjoy this interview. But before we get going, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and much more. VAs for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and gives you the one thing everybody is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Welcome to the show, Allison. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. Uh, it's a little different because I didn't know you before booking this. So this is yeah. really fun. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just let me know who you are? Yeah, so... Um, my name is Allison Noe. I am a health and wellness coach for women, and I work with women all over the U.S. I am currently based in Mississippi, if you couldn't tell by my accent, <laughs> um, but I love what I do. I've had my own health journey with weight loss and PCOS, and those are the women that I serve now, and it's just a blessing and so much fun. That's cool. Mississippi, what part of Mississippi? Uh, Central Mississippi, so okay. not too far outside of Jackson. Okay. Um, the rest of the team for the business I I own is in Mississippi. Really? So, Where? So, um, oh boy, uh, <laughs> I can't <laughs> say it right. That's part of the problem is I can't yep. pronounce it right. So it's um, right along the coastline. So okay. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost. I just lost Mega. No Pool. worries. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But I definitely recognize that the accent. So, so you work with women. I kind of want to dig back into like where this all started. Like, give us the story of how you began your journey into doing what you do today. So let's see, I have struggled with my weight my entire life. I remember actually being on a diet um, in middle school and, um, and then just having a really difficult time, um, with hormone imbalance. And, you know, I was diagnosed with PCOS in my teenage years and all that means from a physician's perspective typically is here's some birth control, come back when you're ready to have a kid and we'll figure things out then. And so that did nothing to fix 
anything that was going on. In fact, I'm, I'm now convinced that that may further the, the problem, but um, it certainly didn't help me figure out, you know, my health, my weight. And <clears throat> I just, I battled it with some pretty unconventional methods and could have a little bit of success and then we gain it back. And it wasn't until I really learned about myself and started learning about the body and how it works with the rest of this earth that God created for us, um, that I was able to gain more control of so many things in my health. And I am only 5'3", and in my 20s got up to 200 pounds. And so, um, you know, have since kept about 70 pounds off for 10 years. And when you have success like that, it just kind of fuels you to want to lead others to that success. So um, I was really blessed with some opportunities to go back to school around the age of 30. And um, it just kind of progressed from there. You know, I didn't really know what I was going back to school for, but as God always does, he just opened the right doors at the right time. And um, here I am with a coaching business that I just love. That is so cool. I love the stories where you, you have this long standing thing that you've battled and gone through and now that's your passion. So let's jump back into middle school because I think this is a very important thing to discuss. I think a lot of times, what I've heard is that when kids struggle with weight early on, so if they decide to approach that, that can really hurt their progress or their um, emotional state or how they feel about themselves. So let's talk about how that affected you as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Um, so my mom's side of the family, they've always been really fit. And my brother followed suit with that, you know, he was athletic and it just didn't look hard for them. And it was always a struggle for me. And when I look back, I had a really um, tainted relationship with food. And, you know, I think I used that to get me through my parents' divorce. And then it just became my comfort. And um, it was that reliable thing that would make you feel good for a minute. And you know, being completely unaware of that in middle school and high school, um, you attach everything to the way you look. And when you don't look like your tall supermodel best friends, you know, self-worth, I just, I had it all wrong and um, just cultivated a lot of really unhealthy mindsets that certainly didn't help my, my journey until I was able to dive into that much, much later. Do you think that the like dieting specifically, you said that you started dieting in middle school, mm-hmm. like were you successful at that point with losing weight? And what was that personal journey like for you? Um, I remember that particular diet. It was called the cabbage soup diet. And oh, my, yeah. my mom and stepdad were doing that too. And um, it was really, really tough, but I do think I, I lost a little bit of weight, Um And then when I got to high school, it was a lot more of just not eating. Um, I I had no idea how to diet, nor did I connect that with actual health. It was, how can I look like my friends, you know, so. You think it helped long-term, hurt long-term, like just that dieting and that, that identity and how you look? Oh, it 
was definitely not helpful. You know, I think that it's a conversation that I don't have children, so I haven't looked into what that conversation would look like because I think it's important to instill the value of health in our children, especially with the rate of childhood obesity. But, you know, I did not do it the right way. And I would say it definitely hurt more than it helped. Yeah, yeah. So you you talked about going into like starting back in college, I'm guessing, like in your late 20s or 30s. Um, Mm -hmm. What got you, what were you doing and what led you to go back to school? Well, I, in my twenties, I was waiting tables and bartending all over town and just living this rock star lifestyle on a, on a waitress salary, you know, and had no idea who I was. Absolutely no idea what I loved, knew nothing about myself. So, um, January 3rd of 2011, it's, the neatest thing, because it's as if God tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, we've got other things to do. And I'm so blessed that that's the last time I touched a substance. That mm. was it. Um, so then it was, what do I want to do? You know, so um, naturally, my first thought was, at least go back and finish your associate's degree. <laughs> and I um, I also got into running. My mom was a phenomenal runner. In fact, she got the first woman's uh, track scholarship for the state of Mississippi. Oh, wow. So Yeah. So she was an awesome runner. I had never done much in the realm of physical activity. So started running and ended up getting a scholarship to run cross country for a small university in Mississippi. So that led me to the health science world. I majored in sports medicine, exercise science, um, and then ended up going to Ole Miss or the University of Mississippi for my master's degree. And um, it was a trip going to a big university campus in your 30s. (laughs) I think it's incredible. I I think I want to talk a little bit more about that. But you said something, something I want to hit on first. You said God kind of tapped you on the shoulder. And one thing that I really like to identify is those those moments when that shift is made. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about that moment. Like, was there other things going on in your life? Was it solely uh, like career focus change? Like, was there other things that you changed as well? Everything, my entire life. Yeah, I was, um, I I loved to party, you know, it was my life 24 seven. And I looked around and my friends who had careers and families, to me, it felt like they were drinking and and partying as much as I was, but they weren't. And, you know, you, you look around at 28 and you're pretty much all alone. And so it's, it was kind of an interesting story. Another friend of mine who had a successful uh, salon, but she was kind of stuck in that party right with me. We said, okay, let's take one month and give up alcohol so we can lose some weight. Granted, I had not gone without alcohol more than three days in 12 years. So I I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But I don't even think I ever (laughs) really thought I would do it. And so the, the day one of that, I woke up and my, this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I cannot explain Um, but I knew I was done. 
I just knew that I was done and I, and I was terrified. I stayed in bed that whole day, freaking out. What in the world does this mean? What am I going to do? So, you know, and looking back and reflecting on that, that was obviously God sparing me a lot because most of my friends that were on the route that I was, um, they needed interventions, treatments, um, you know, or just weren't able to change their life. And, so that was the beginning of my life. So it's kind of like a second rebirth, really, like a second birth. Like you're a million, yep. You totally restarted. Like yes. So yep. drinking, um, did your eating habits change immediately? Yeah. So I kind of went into that calorie counting mm -hmm. business. Um, it's the only thing that I knew at the time, you know, I had tried everything in the past and, and so I went into calorie counting and just got super into running. So, right. um, that helped me develop some healthy habits, but there was still a lot to learn about, you know, nutrition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how did it feel being back on campus? I'm sure there's probably a listener to her like, Oh, going back to school in their thirties. I think so many people think it's too late or, you know, I'm past my prime. And that's something I'm super, super um, passionate about because I really didn't find my way until, I mean, I'm 48 and I really feel like I'm getting my stride and people, yeah. you know, people in their thirties, like, I, I think it's too late to change. And I'm like going, uh, I have a master's yeah. degree. I have a psychology degree and I'm doing nothing with any of it. So yep. it's not too late to change. So how did it feel going back on campus? Were you that age when you had your scholarship? Yes. Yes. That's so incredible. Just another God thing. This was before Bellhaven, um, entered into NCAA, uh, they were in a different division. And so there was not an age limit. <laughs> so it was awesome. I got, that is awesome. yeah, I loved every second of it. And yeah, I guess I was, I'm sure I was nervous, but everything in life was so new. The only comfort zone I ever had was in partying and, and that was gone. So then it was just kind of like, all right, next step, next step. So, so I think the, the hardest part is getting there. But then once you're there, school is so much fun as an older, you know, older person, because I, I actually loved being in class and it was not easy for me. I, I am not an academic, but I made it. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I really did. So you went back, got, you said you wanted to finish your associates. How far did you go? What was that journey like? Um, I, I had taken classes on and off for years. I always joke that it took me 10 years to get my associate's degree. That's <laughs> my longest. <laughs> um, but so, and that was at a junior college where a lot, you had a lot of untraditional aged students. So, you know, night classes, I was doing some personal training at the time. So that wasn't intimidating at all. Uh, but when I decided to move on to university, then, you know, it's a lot, it's a different ballgame, but I'm just, I am lucky in that I had family support. Mm -hmm. So I could go and totally immerse myself. And, you know, if you're a college athlete, it's very hard to, to work full time and then, you know, tend to your studies and the rigorous schedule of, of athletics. So um, I, I had a really good support system, which is a huge difference between me and other people maybe that were in my position. Yeah. So your degree, again, remind us what your degree was again. 
Um, my bachelor's is sports medicine, exercise science. And then I was able to get my master's in health promotion, which is essentially public health. Okay. How long did it take? How long was that journey from going back to college to having your master's degree? I think I'm, I knocked it all out in four years because I was so close to having finished my associates already. So four or five years. Wow. So that's a, that's a good chunk of life when you're, mm-hmm. when you're yeah. in your late twenties, I think is what you said, or your thirties. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What would you say to someone right now? Who's like, huh? Like thinking like they're, they, maybe they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Cause I have a feeling you, I mean, that's part of your story is like, I, I'm not doing what I'm destined to do. Yeah. Just take the action. Uh, I went back when I started my bachelor's, I was actually a sports administration major, but I was doing personal training and it just dawned on me, I really need to learn the body. Hmm. And so I switched to sports medicine, exercise science after a couple of weeks. And I remember the dean of that program um, who's this super smart guy. He's my age. He looked at me and he said, are you sure about this? Because most people have to leave sports medicine and, and drop down to sports administration. But um, I did it and got through. And then when I went to pursue my master's, I thought I was going for a master's in exercise science. I wanted to do strength and conditioning with female college athletes, which there's a huge need for that. If Uh, I want to encourage anybody if they're interested in that. But once I got there and learned about the health promotion degree, I mean, it just spoke to me and everything that I had been through and the opportunities that I could pursue with that degree. So I switched after the first semester. So, you know, yeah, it's just taking those blind leaps of faith. If you feel like you need to do something, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. And it'll likely lead you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing that I've learned is that I've done a lot of things. If I look back, I'm like, ah, that probably wasn't the best decision or really. I mean, I have a master's degree in education. I did that for 12 years, 13 years. I'm like, why did I do that? But then you kind of look back and you're every single thing I've done or decided, I'm sure the same with you, has built me into the person that I am. So yes. Do you feel that 10 years or whatever of partying is pivotal in who you are today and how you work with your clients? A million percent. There are still some times when I think back and kind of shudder because I was such a a lost person. But I think in the way that I pray that I can serve anybody, those years of being lost and understanding what that feels like, um, I hope I can use that in serving others, whether it's in ministry or, or my job, um, knowing how it feels to, to struggle with your weight your whole life and then balloon to your highest weight at the point where all of your friends are, are getting married and, you know, kind of white picket fence, you know, right. sort of thing. So I can see how God uses every single second of our lives for sure. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I'm going to hit you a little bit from the side, a side angle here. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a, a podcast the other day and they're talking about this, um, you know, body shaming and being okay with being really, I don't, I can't remember the, the term that's so popular right now. You know, it's okay to be really big. It's okay. Embrace it. I kind of want to get from a, a woman in your position and what you do, you help women lose weight. Oh. 
I want to get your position on this. A little controversial, but I want to know. Yeah, that's so funny because I actually saw something about that this morning and and almost posted on it and I I retracted. (laughs) Uh, I I hit the delete button. Yeah, so it's a very fine line. I think we are to love everyone where they are at, Mm -hmm. but it goes against everything I believe to promote poor health. And there are too many studies that correlate the effects of obesity with all of these things that are killing Americans. We're not dying from not feeling confident enough. We are dying from heart disease and diabetes. And I love you if you have those issues, but I want to help you eliminate them so that you can truly live in love and live out your purpose. And it doesn't take away from your value if you are overweight, but it takes away from your quality of life in so many areas. And so, yeah, I, I can't get on board with the celebrating poor health because that's at the end of the day, what it is. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a woman. It's very hard for me to relate, but even for men, I, you know, they're like, I'm embracing my dad bod. And I'm like, like, yeah. are you really the yeah. man you're supposed to be? If you are not as functionally available to your family or to your job, like, are you really living up to your potential? So I want to take this, this isn't where we were planning on going, but I want to take this another step. So I, I, my, my wife, um, is also, a fitness instructor and, and and she's actually a physical therapist, but she she shops at Athleta all the time. Athleta, Athleta, I can't ever figure out what the name of that <laughs> is. But, um, and now they have these uh, quite large models, you know, the mannequins. And we uh-huh. have this conversation like, is this celebrating it or is it just widening your audience? Do you think that that's helpful or harmful to young women? I guess if you're going to open the conversation, having it at an athletic wear store, if you actually plan to participate in exercise, I can't hate on that. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So, because to me, that kind of celebrates the you know, here's where you are now. and We have clothes that will make you comfortable to start your journey. And then, you know, you know, work your way down or however, but the Hollywood version of celebrating your body at any size, how about celebrate what you can do? You know, I just think, I think it's gone way off kilter. Yeah, I would agree. That's why we struggle with it. We're like, we, we love because you really should have, if you, if somebody an obese person wants to start working out, it shouldn't be impossible for them to find very functional, comfortable, amazing looking things. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I totally embrace it, but then I'm also, are we normalizing it? And that's really where I start getting that cognitive dissonance going on. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But I have, um, my wife and I have had this, like, where you're like, want to post something. It's, you know, it's the social media, the keyboard warrior. And you're like, I feel so strongly about, you know, this body awareness thing or this I can't remember the term that they use, but, and it's, it's always that like delete using that your discretion to make sure that you're really speaking to the most people in a loving, in a loving way. So when you have clients uh, come in, what's your approach to to kind of work through some of the, the harder things of weight? I mean, there's a lot of emotional, mental, uh, psychological things that go on. I do, I've had several conversations recently about these emotional triggers and our maladaptive coping skills, 
you know, like things are going to trigger us all day, every day. But if we take a second to evaluate, would eating uh, Taco Bell or whatever their comfort food is, is that going to solve the issue um, or even make you feel good? Because it may for two seconds, but then it's going to make you feel really horrible about yourself. So what are some things that you can do if you get triggered to distract you that are going to move you towards your goal, you know? Um, and, and I'll be honest, I'm 10, 11 years into this and I'm still working on that. I have been able to keep the bulk of 80 pounds off, but I still find myself in a very stressful season in my life. Or I'll tell you one of my biggest triggers is dating because then I have to be vulnerable. And then I want to go home and eat everything in sight because I was just super vulnerable, (laughs) even though they probably fed me well in the day. So, but just realizing this in the last couple of years, then I look up and I put on 10 or 15 pounds, which I'm five, three, that, you know, that kicks me out of my entire wardrobe. So it's attached to this emotional war that we have. And, and just becoming aware of that has served me well. And I think it's serving my clients well too. That's why people who want to lose weight need, or want to want to improve their fitness, or whatever, need a coach. I mean, yeah. like I, I had, it was on another podcast that you actually happened to listen to. And it was like at that moment, I've been in the fitness industry since before 2014. So I've been in this for a long time. I've been very aware. I've been a coach even longer than that. And I'm I'm sitting here talking to someone and the realization of why I eat so much in the evening hit me. I'm in this for so long. And it took me that long to identify why I struggled at a certain time. It's been revolutionary to me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was talking with other people that I like, whoa, wait a minute, this happened. And therefore this, this is why that's when I have trouble with food. It's so incredibly important to have somebody to work with. So how long have you been doing the coaching business? January of this year, I have been helping others for quite some time, uh, but my own business, I launched January of this year. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about stepping away from like a corporate work job or a big industry job or working for someone else into moving into entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial role or the business role, what ownership role, whatever you want to call it. But let's first talk about like that decision, that moment when you're like, I'm done working for someone else. How was that? What, what happened? I guess I always knew that honestly, I really was excited to maybe start um, a podcast one day. And so that was kind of my eventual goal. I just didn't know the route that would, I would take to get there, but I was working for a company and, um, I really learned a lot. So I'm super grateful for that opportunity. And, um, when COVID hit and everything went virtual because we went from seeing patients in office all face-to-face to to 100% virtual overnight. Uh, And I really commend that business owner for being able to uh, shift like that. Um, But that was kind of a turning point for me. Like, okay, so I won't necessarily have to have a brick and mortar to uh, start my dreams. And then, so I decided to go out on my own. Then luckily, you know, you were talking about coaches uh, high impact coaching found me online and I would not be 
successful on my own had I not um, been introduced to them. And I still cling on to them with everything I have because I believe in having a coach in the areas of my life that I need success. In fact, there are probably two or three more that I need to to look into hiring right now. Yeah, I think uh, I say this probably on every podcast I'm ever a guest on or any podcast I host is like, you've got to have a coach. If you want to improve in your life, the, you know, a coach is the next step, a coach or a, or a really good mentor, which is kind of a blurry line between the difference. But um, what are some areas of growth that you've really had to kind of focus in on moving from, you know, the steady paycheck to being on your own? What have, what have been some of the challenges and where have you seen some real growth? And and then who do you attribute some of those? I know you, you mentioned high impact co- coaching. Have there been other people who have been instrumental in your life getting you to where you are today? I would say that I have had to rely more on God than ever. You know, I knew that he put this dream in my heart. And there were months where things weren't as consistent. I really, for the first time in my life, I would have a little bit of panic, but didn't go into full blown panic mode. I have HIC and, and got to see how other people ebb and flow. I would say an area that I've really struggled in is being consistent in my work output, because, you know, you sign two or three clients and then you get kind of, you're on this high and you're comfortable and it's a lot easier to start meeting the girls for coffee instead of, you know, (laughs) filming more content. Um, So, and that's something that I am working with my business coach right now on is, all right, Nick, I need you to hold me accountable that this, this, and this is going to be done the next time we talk. I I don't exactly know where to focus all the time because there's so much in content creation and, and it's just a whole new world to me. Having the support of my community and my friends and family has been everything to me. I thrive when I feel encouraged and supported. So that's been huge for me. Yeah. So one suggestion you would make is definitely have a circle of support and people in your immediate space who believe in you. Uh-huh. A yeah. million percent. Yep. Yeah. That is a big deal is you get to, I laughed because you get a sale or two and you're like, woohoo. And then you kind of just, whoop, you've been really successful. I mean, you have a good number of clients, you're fresh into this. So like What's the number one thing that you would tell somebody thinking, I think I want to go down this road. I'd love to do my own thing from the last seven months that you've kind of made this start and, and have gotten to the point where you're at, which I know, and it's very good. You're doing very well. What would be some of the suggestions or, or pieces of advice you give to someone if you were walking them through this? Uh, take messy action. Yep. I mean, it's not the end of the world if a reel flops and only gets 20 views, but those one, those that I record that I think, you know, nobody would be interested in or however the algorithms work. And then they hit 10, 12 K views. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Another thing that has been so valuable to me is the opportunity to serve people. I think about HIC finding me, which is high impact coaching. Um, They found me on Instagram and I am super skeptical. And so I'm surprised that I even entertained the conversation, to be honest. And in fact, at one point it fell off and the, the guy that I was chatting with had to come back and say, Hey, are you still there? 
And again, if he hadn't followed up with me, if he hadn't been persistent because he knew what he had could change my life, my life would not be changed. I may be back working for someone else right? Um, and not serving the women that I have the opportunity to serve now and getting the, the information out there. Um, when you feel led to share, share. I have just been so rewarded lately by having um, viewers send me messages. Hey, thank you so much for making us aware of that. I had no idea. I'm going to look this up now. And uh, this is stuff that before I was too scared to share because I have too many friends, you know, that I didn't want to feel stupid or they know me in real life or, you know, that um, imposter syndrome fear starts to come up. But if you know that this will help someone, do it anyway. Just do it. I mean, it's it really almost can't hurt if that's your intention. Yeah, I love that. Like anytime I feel like I'm talking to someone and I know I can solve a problem for them, it's just this, this thing ingrained in us, I think, from forever is like that that's selling something. But really what it is, is solving someone problem, someone's problems. My belief, and actually one of our, you know, core values is that we solve people's problems. And when, when that's the case, it comes from authenticity, right? Yeah. The HIC group or whoever reached out to you, they've seen this over and over and over again, be successful. I mean, I, our business is a product of HIC. I know personally five, six, seven, eight people outside that I knew before HIC who have come in and they have thriving new businesses based on that help. So for me, like that's exactly how we should operate. Like whoever contacted you knows that they know that they know that they know that if you plugged into their system, it was going to work. This is kind of sounding like an ad for HIC. It's really sounding like an ad for listen to people who are authentic and, and want to help. So, um, so for people, spec, I'm sure you get skeptics. Like when you're talking to women who might need your service really bad. What is some of the, the biggest things that you're up against talking with women who need help? It's all internet based and, and you're always hit with a million different things. Um, I'll tell you before I honed in on women with PCOS, I was, uh, I knew I was really um, gifted and able to help men and women lose weight and get off of medication. So I had a broader reach. Um, but speaking the language to women who have dealt with hormone imbalance and weight issues and infertility, I think once we're in a conversation that goes, their walls go way down. Mm -hmm. Um, because what, what I see time and time again is, these women who have been brushed off by their doctors or given another medication, um, they feel that their doctors or their loved ones think that they're lazy, crazy, and not really doing what they say they're doing. And um, they don't feel heard. So when we talk, I hear them and they know that. And even if they don't move forward with my program, they know that there are people out there now that understand where they're at. This, this leads to one of my, my general questions is, do you believe that your story is a driving force of why you're successful? Yes. A personal story. Yep. A million percent. Yeah. Okay. So just some random questions now. Uh, do you like learning best from podcasts, blogs, books, or videos? 
podcast. I actually often joke that I have a PhD in podcasts. <laughs> so. You listen to a lot of different podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Me too. I love listening to books, reading books, but podcasts are so fun. So I have like this, uh, this kind of like entertainment learning level. Right. So yeah. Uh, what is one habit, like a diehard habit that you do that you think everybody would benefit from? Um, one diehard habit, prioritize sleep. Well, that's good. Why? Uh, it actually started for my mental health. I struggled with anxiety and depression. Um, and when I got healthier, I would notice that the only time that I would ever really have a bout of anxiety was if I didn't get enough sleep. And when I was working on my bachelor's and my master's, there was just, there were not enough hours in the day. And um, I don't ever really want to feel like that again, as much as I value the experience. It was, I was never present with whoever I was around and it was, I did not thrive. I just survived. And one of the key things that I can control about my life, 95% of the time is how I'm sleeping and how, how much I'm sleeping. What other, what other benefits are there of sleep for those out there that may not like, Whoa, I don't get a lot of sleep. Like, why should I? Oh, it's huge. So, I mean, I don't think we have enough time to talk today. Um, But if you are feeling like you're doing the right things, you're exercising, you're eating right, but you're still not losing weight. um, It's highly likely if you're not sleeping well, that that is a huge contributing factor um, to weight stall or weight gain. Um, Another thing that is one of my many soapboxes is um, lack of sleep actually contributes to Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, our, our brain has this dishwasher effect at night. You know, the rest of our body has the lymph system and our brain has the dishwasher effect when we sleep. And so all that metabolic waste that accrues through all the, you know, millions of thoughts that we have a day, um, it needs to be flushed out. And we have to have not only enough sleep, but good quality sleep. Um, So that, and we are, you know, if you're wanting to gain muscle, a lot of that repair and rebuild happens when you're sleeping. They're just, there's pretty much not an area of your life that won't be negatively or positively affected by your sleep. Wow. Yeah. It is incredibly important, but I'd never heard the dishwasher thing. I love it. That's really cool. It makes it uh, very easy to, to understand. So do you work with your clients specifically on sleep as well? Oh, yes. Yes. Um, You know, a lot of hormone imbalance has to do with getting off of your natural circadian rhythm. Yeah. And sleep is such an important part of that. Not only that, but sunlight exposure. That's another thing that I do every morning. Um, I get out and walk for 15 minutes. So my eyes have direct access to sunlight to start all my clocks. Um, and that is huge, especially for women with hormone imbalance. That's, that's uh, amazing. I've started my day with walks for the last two years straight. The problem is I get up so early, it's not light out. Um, but what I've done now is I've actually swapped my workout. I do, I do my one hour of in the weight room. Then I go and I go 
for my walk. And I've noticed a massive difference in like my mindset because of that. Yeah. It's, it's a little slower to restart than I'd like. I'd like to hit it right in the morning, the sunlight, because I know how huge that is, but that's really excellent. Um, really excellent advice. So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of tell any of the listeners really about yourself, your business, like your, what you're offering is, cause I think it's really important. Yeah. So, um, I do right now I'm offering a 12 week, uh, all encompassing health coaching program. So I'm with my clients every single day, virtually. I do work with women all over the U S so, um, but we're checking in daily. I'm guiding them on how to eat, what to eat, when to eat. Um, we set some really nice goals for getting out and getting, you know, proper sunlight, for sleep health, sleep hygiene, what are you doing before bed, um, what time you're waking up, being consistent with that. Uh, I really want to uh, help them cultivate change that they can sustain long-term and teach them why it's important. You know, if we're just told, hey, do this, but we don't know why, to me, that just doesn't sink in. It's like the, the dishwasher effect in the brain any kind of visual representation or better understanding of what's going on will help me move forward in action. So I've really tried to apply that to my programming. That's awesome. Okay. So they can find you. We'll actually have another question before we get to that point. Okay. Um, if there were one thing, this is, this is a tough one. So uh, if there one piece of advice you could give yourself, go back to your twenties or your late teens, one, one piece of advice you could give yourself, what would it be? There's so much more than this. That's not really advice, but. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally hear you there. I love that. It's really good. All right. So how can people find Allison Noe? Yeah. So I am mainly interacting on Instagram. So it's Allison Health Coach Noe. So that's my first name, A-L-L-I-S-O-N health coach, and then my last name, N-O-O-E. That's awesome. And uh, though all that information, information on how to connect with you, email, whatever you give me will be posted in the show notes. So if you guys, if you know somebody with PC, tell me what uh, it is. Yeah, P-C-O-S. So that I didn't is- want to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, um, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yep. Okay, so if you know somebody or suspect somebody, like send them her way, I think- um, you would be really helping. Remember, it's that help first thing. If you're helping them, it's awesome. Thank you so much for being on with us today. I've learned a lot and I've, yeah. I've had a great time getting to know you. Yeah, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.